and welcome to American Steel. This episode of American Steel, we have a couple of special guests with us today. Hope everybody's been doing well. Today we have uh, Matthew White from Delta Recovery, uh, and Lewis, Lewis is going to be our engineer today, uh, and this is the first time Lewis and I have worked together on American Steel, so excited for, uh, for that. And then we also have a special guest, in, uh, Mr. Del Kennedy, owner of Kennedy Broadcasting. So uh, welcome, everybody. Delk, how are you doing? All right. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Lewis? Doing great. Lewis, I see you up here all the time. Are you starting to take over the engineering duties up here? I get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for holidays. I, I'm in school, so uh, I guess for the next month or so, I will be. Yes, okay, sir. Okay, very, very good. And uh, the uh, Delk, the uh, the station is looking fantastic. Thank you. We, uh, we, we've been at it for a while, and we, but we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I see that. I see that. And, uh, Matthew, it's been a minute since you've been on, but uh, how have you been? I've been good. Thanks for having me again. It's, uh, it's been a really, really busy time the last few months since I saw you. Well, so. I got excited the other day whenever you were telling me about Delta Recovery. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. We broached the subject. Uh, it's been probably six months now, right? Something close to it. Yeah, six months ago. We broached the subject of addiction and your journey about addiction and what you're doing with uh, – with Delta Recovery, which will be here in the Murray County community uh, very soon. A few uh, a few uh, hiccups, and then you'll be going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, I wouldn't even call them hiccups. They're just parts of the process. Last time I was here, I was just about begging somebody to point me to a place where we could get a building. Uh, we were able to, to get a lease signed early in October. So uh, we've been just kind of getting that building set up and ready to go. It's going to be on Hatcher Lane. Um and uh, getting that building ready, and then we've got some department or Department of Mental Health licensing that we've got to get done. And uh, so it's been it's been quite a journey, but it's uh, like like Delk was saying, we can kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we're going to open those doors and start helping some people. Yeah, seeing the light is is nice, right? It I is mean, nice after all the work you put in. <laughs> it is nice, and all the level of uncertainty. Has the process with the state been, should I say, easy? Is uh, right remarkably word? smooth. Yeah, okay. um, they they've been great. The, the, the Department of Mental Health. I've kind of um, you know it's it's a big organization, and so I've worked with several different divisions of that department, uh, including the licensing department. And and to be honest with you, they've been great. Uh, you know, we we had a couple of meetings. Uh, to kind of plot out what that process looks like. And uh, they've just been enormously helpful. And uh, so then, you know, for the last um, six or eight weeks or so, it's just been me getting the to-do list done, uh, me and the, the rest of the team, obviously. So I uh, appreciate you being a part of that as well. So uh, so that means a lot. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll get all the paperwork tidied up here in the next week or two and then off to them and then, then – you know, kind of hold our fingers and make sure it all passes muster. Well, I don't have to tell you, but I mean, as a high school principal, I, I see and hear about uh, drug use all the time. Right. You know, and uh, whether it's uh, real or perceived, I mean, um, rumors or not, I mean, it's it's not like it. Uh, they're not exposed to it. Uh, students and young people all probably all the way down to elementary school are exposed mm-hmm. to it at some in some homes, uh, unfortunately. So what's the. Uh, and before I forget, I, I'll say it at the end, but at some point I want you to tell the community how they can support yeah. Delta Recovery. Thank you. Uh, because um, there's a definite need, right? Right. There's a huge need. Uh, you know, I saw a pretty alarming uh, infographic, I guess is what you call them, um, about opioid overdose overdose deaths. And it had been pretty steady for 20 years, and then the, the and then COVID hit, and that chart looks like a hockey stick. It just shot up uh, more than double um, over what 2019 was uh, right now. So, uh, so it's it's been the, the need is sadly uh, growing exponentially, and then in a community like Columbia, 
you know, we talked about last time you can slice the population up however you want it. Uh, 10% of those people are, are, are addicted to something. And so when you see, you know, so many people moving in here, um, you know, 10% of those are going to be addicted to something. So this community is really going to get taxed um, with the growth. A lot of great things is coming with that growth, but um, just like anything else in life, some challenges come with it too. So tell us a little bit about your journey uh, and why you wanted to open Delta Recovery. So the, 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 my journey, uh, I was really, really lucky is the best way to put it. Uh, I will, that's not the best way to put it. God took care of me in a lot of ways that I couldn't take care of myself. Um, one of those things is when you leave uh, treatment, um, they're going to hand you a piece of paper with a bunch of really, really valuable resources on that piece of paper and numbers you can call and websites you can visit. And... Uh, and so you, you go out, start living your life, and then, in, in, at least in my case, and I've seen it in a lot of other cases, I didn't call a single number. I didn't visit a single website. But all those resources just kept lining up for me over and over and over again. And so as I started asking around about, um, you know, why isn't there a program you can just walk into? The answer I kept getting back is, well, one doesn't exist. Nobody's ever started it. So good luck. And, uh, and then one thing led to another and the resources lined up and, the um, all the timing fell into place. And again, that's just God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And, uh, and so we're, we've kind of gotten to this point. So, so tell the listeners about Dell's recovery in, how does it work? Uh, so, <clears throat> if I, if I walk in and I know I've got an issue or problem yeah. or let them, let's not, let's not play with words. If I know I'm addicted mm-hmm. and I need help, mm-hmm. I walk in, what's my trend? What's my journey? So it's going to start with an assessment and there's a standardized assessment, um, that, 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 uh, we'll talk you through and walk through and it just, uh, kind of measures what level of care you need based on where you are. And that could be, um, you know, some, it might be go to meetings, you know, all the way up to, you need to go, uh, spend a, a month or so, in, in an inpatient treatment facility and detox and a, a really, really uh, uh, intense process. So uh, we, will, we will triage that, and then we will get you into the right level of care that you need to be to. We're not going to do inpatient detox residential care. We are building partnerships with, with great providers that do that. We'll get you there, or it might be that you can start in our program. You're not as far along as, as somebody that needs the, the inpatient treatment. So we will get you into that right level of care. We're going to open up a case on you and then follow you all the way through whatever part of your journey is. When you come back, then we'll start an outpatient program, which is going to last six to eight weeks, depending on your needs. And, uh, and then from there, kind of, kind of what we're trying to avoid is that, that break where we, we hand you a piece of paper and say, you know, good luck. You know, so, so the way it's intended to work is you will be discharged from that outpatient program. But instead of, instead of just saying, you know, here's your list of resources, it's going to be, even though you're out of the outpatient program, we're going to have an aftercare program. And your next thing you're involved with then happens on Thursday of next week at seven o'clock. So be back here then. And the goal is to, the, the, the research is, is undeniable that the longer you stay involved in recovery activities, the longer you stay sober. And so our goal is to provide a place to where people can stay indefinitely. They can keep coming back to that building. They can keep coming back to the, the programming that we have for the rest of their lives if need be. And so that's why we're a nonprofit. Uh, we are not out trying to make a buck, but in, in order to, 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 to provide those services, we need to be nonprofit and not have shareholders worrying about what our bottom line is. Um, and it also opens up access to grants and foundations and, you know, private individuals that can make tax deductible contributions for the betterment of our community. 
um, that, 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 that how it benefits our communities, obviously having less addicts, but you know, addicts and crime go hand in hand. And then once you're in that cycle, the recidivism of that crime, um, I think anybody in law enforcement will tell you it just happens over and over and over and over again until you have an alternative, a program you can go to that you're going to devote your energy into more healthy things instead of instead of what you've grown accustomed to that landed you in treatment or jail or whatever. Yeah, well, not to put times. you on the spot, but well, I mean, there's the percentage rate for drugs or addiction related to crime, or especially property crimes, mm-hmm. is probably astronomical. Yeah, and uh, I believe I've heard. Uh, and I hate to, to <laughs> I think I've heard Sheriff Rowland say, and don't quote me on this, uh, or I shouldn't quote him on it because I can't recall it exactly, but I want to say 60, 70% of the people um, in in our jail right now, it's drug-related offenses. Yeah. yeah. So. Matthew, so is addiction specific to the drug, alcohol, drugs? No. It's not. It's No. Is it? Tell me You why. can... Addictive behavior, as it runs through your brain, as your brain processes, it fires all the same cylinders, all the same um, pathways. Um, And it doesn't matter if it's a drug. It can be gambling. It can be sex. It can be any kind of compulsive behavior. But But if you were to map your brain as that is happening, it all looks the same. You wouldn't be able to tell looking at a scan of the brain what is actually happening, whether it's your your you know, gambling, taking a drink, taking a drug. Um, so it, it all, um, kind of works the same way. So some people and just about anybody will gravitate towards what's called a drug of choice. Mine was alcohol. Others, it's amphetamines, my others, it's, um, opioids and, you know, the whole, the whole gambit of things. And so, um, they, you know, addicts tend to kind of find what they like and stay with that, um, or kind of branch out here and there. But, uh, but generally it's, it's not, it's a process that's going on inside that person, and it's not necessarily specific to one substance. Well, you're talking off air before we started about the pain meds that you might receive mm-hmm. at your local pharmacy. Right. Just as dangerous? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard a million stories of people that had a, a surgery of some kind. Uh, they were prescribed a pain medication, and then it, it felt good. And, uh, and then it... You know, kind of, it, it, it's a snowball. Uh, it's like, well, one worked, so what? You know, two might work really well, and it's not a, a long, a long stretch to where you're out on the street buying heroin, or looking for that same high. I think I, I remember you saying that you knew uh, something happened to you at, during your first beer. Yes, you said something. Boom, hit, and you were yeah. like, "Okay, that's." Yeah, I think exactly what I said is, "I fell in love." Yeah, you fell in love with your yeah. after your one beer. You were a yeah. teenager, right? Yeah, 18, yeah. 18, yeah. 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 Um, it's just, it, man, it's such, a, it's such a complex, multifaceted problem. Um, and, it, and it has a variety of factors that go into it. You know, you've got genetics play an important part of it. Um, you probably have some kind of trauma. Um, it might be a big T trauma, like a major accident or some kind of assault or something like that. Or it might be a series of small T traumas. Um, which was more my case, uh, which are not as pronounced um, as something like a like an accident or, 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 or an assault or something like that. But it's just the small, steady drip of traumas over a long period of time. And then you've got an inability to process your own emotions as you deal those deal with those things. And so that substance, when you put it in your body, you're like, oh, I feel good. 
the lie you tell yourself is, oh, now I feel normal. And, uh, and so you want to feel like that more and more and more. So it only makes logical sense to use the substance more and more and more. Uh, but along with that come all the consequences. You're so, um, focused and myopic on escaping those feelings that you are okay brushing the consequences aside until they really certainly was in my case, pile up and crush you. I can imagine that, um, a lot of parents just not knowing really, they just don't know to ask questions of their doctor before mm-hmm. their doctor prescribes pain medication yeah. to children or to themselves. Uh-huh. You think that's, yeah, because you, I mean, Doc, especially around here, I love the doctor. I was at a doctor's office, you know, a couple hours ago. I think we have a great community of medical professionals around here. So you walk in that office and you trust them. And the doctor isn't always, doesn't have all the information available right there, you know, in, in regards to your case. They don't necessarily know that your dad was an alcoholic and you're so you're genetically predisposed to addiction. And so the doctor wants you to be out of pain, you know, and so the doctor's going to do what he knows to do and he's going to use all the information he has at his disposal, but we might not have given him all the information. Right. And that's a, a dangerous situation for everybody to be in. So it's important to know what to ask and to have a, a good working understanding of what's likely to be prescribed in a situation. And, and the doctor ultimately knows best, right? But you, it's on, it's, it's your responsibility to ask the right questions and make sure they have all the right information so that they can make the best judgment that they, that they can. Yeah. So doctors have their protocols and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel good that they follow those protocols for sure. But I think you're right. I think probably some people don't um, they don't have the courage to ask questions or question the doctor. And exactly. in some cases, I don't know that the doctor always uh, thinks about asking or do they have the time to get into an in-depth assessment of your history of alcoholism or addiction in, in any regard. So right. that simple communication gap could really cause a problem if you're. You know, I was telling you about my daughter who had major back surgery, and um, I think she used the pain meds one time just because we talked to the doctor pretty thoroughly about addiction mm-hmm. and, and getting kind of caught up with the pain meds and those kind of things. And I've talked to you before uh, about my, my experience with Vicodin back in the day when I thought, wow, this stuff is really I wasn't in pain anymore, but I still wanted to take a Vicodin, and so that's why I threw them away because yeah. I, I was able to catch myself. One of I mean, the best decisions of your life. Well, you know, it's fascinating because my parents were alcoholics. I mean, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure of it. There was beer and parties all the time in the house, and I'm sure I've got s- several of the trauma pieces that you're talking about. But I never took a drop of alcohol uh, until I was 25. I didn't take a drop of alcohol all through the Marine Corps, my service That's in the Marine amazing. Corps. It's, it's really strange, right? Makes, I was in the Marines. I know. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me an odd duck. Well, it's yeah. kind of part of the culture, right? Yeah, it go is. And, you know, it go is. and get loose with your friends. But, yeah. I mean, what what's your hypothesis for why I didn't get just hooked on it? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. I, well, it, it's, I don't think I can either. And I think there are some providential hands involved in it. So uh, it's the best explanation I can come up with. Yeah. I just never, I've never had an interest. I've never had a beer in my life. I've never, uh, you know, I just, I think I tasted it once and I just couldn't, it doesn't taste good to me at all or smell good to me. That's an interesting point there, Michael. Uh, you know, we talked about the consequences a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's first consequence with alcohol is they don't like the smell or taste. Okay. Right. So you, you, you know, it, the first time you have it, 
it's a really strong smell. It's a, it's not always a pleasant taste. Well, you have the, you know, you have, you're like, I'll put it down for whatever reason you do. And then you feel that feeling. And then you're like, Oh, so the consequence of the smell and taste is something that I'm willing to, to deal with in order to have the feeling. Well, that's the first consequence, right? And then it just kind of snowballs from there. It's like, Oh, I lose a little bit of my dignity because I acted like a jerk. Well, okay. I won't do that next time. Maybe, you know, I'm going to start lying to people. I'm going to do this or do that. You know, you, you just lower your standards of what consequences you're willing to endure until the consequences are so great. You can't endure them anymore. Right. And for some people that's, you know, dying from it. Yeah, so. you're right. I remember my first drink, uh, a fellow Marine came up 25. I was at a function. He said, Hey, have a chesty puller with me. And for those of you who don't know, chesty puller is a famous Marine. And, uh, basically I didn't know anything about back then what was good or what was not good or whatever, but he, it's just basically a double, a double Jack, uh, on the rocks, Jack Daniels mm-hmm. on the rocks. So I sipped it and I about, it about burned my throat to no end. And right. I poured the rest out into the faint plant next to me when he wasn't looking. <laughs> I mean, I just, I didn't want to drink it. I didn't want to yeah. stomach it. I didn't, I, I never really had a need. Uh, I mean, but that was the first, that was my first, I, it's amazing. It's funny that I remember that first experience. Uh, but yeah, the entire time I was in the Marine Corps, my buddies would always get lit and uh, mm-hmm. I would just be out with them. And I, yeah. for some reason, I just didn't have a, propensity to do it yeah yeah so yeah it probably was god's hands on that right yeah. i would say so so delta recovery we're going to go on break here in a few minutes but delta recovery what's the mission of delta recovery like overall like what's your overall to help addicts alcoholics and their families step out of a life of fear and dependency and into a life of freedom and meaning and in a minute we're going to get into what the community can do to help and how they can reach mm-hmm. out. So kind of give us a little bit of preview of what that looks like. So, uh, the, the, the big thing we can do is if you're in recovery, uh, we need people to come mentor. Uh, that's, that's number one. Um, we also, there's a million needs, uh, that, that are getting met. Um, I, I need to, to thank, uh, one of your advertisers actually Delca Columbia paint and wall covering has been enormously helpful in getting us, um, getting us the paint ready, you know, ready to, to, to put up in our building. Uh, so we've had a lot of things. And so if you have anything kind of related to, uh, you know, resources that we might have available to, uh, to kind of help get a facility ready, that's great. Um, but big, the big thing is, is one mentors. Um, and even if you're not in recovery, we do need mentors as well, but just, you, you want to love on some people that are really struggling and, and, and need some help, um, then, then, then uh, we'd, we'd love to have all the help we can get in that. And then also, too, it is not cheap to run this place. Um, it is not cheap to get it off the ground. And so we've been blessed to have some good financial resources. But if others are available, we would uh, appreciate that as well. Okay. Well, Matthew, I appreciate it. We're going to take a break here on America's Seal. We'll be right back. Season's greetings, and thank you for tuning in. Front Porch Radio, 101.7 WKOM Columbia. For 60 years, people have shopped Parks Motor Sales to get the best vehicles and the best service. ParksMotorSales.com has details on new Buicks, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs, financing, certified technicians, parts, tires, and much more. Stop by 919 Nashville Highway, take a Buick for a test drive, and learn why the Buick Encore and Buick Enclave are among America's most reliable vehicles. Experience the new Buick at Parks Motor Sales. 
Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Over 10 years ago, the Garbage Man Incorporated teamed up with former County Commissioner Mr. Glenn Hassey and Keith Murray County Beautiful to provide garbage service for the eight boat ramps. The county brought in signs and posts, and we provided the carts and weekly service. The Garbage Man Incorporated is proud to be a part of furnishing a much-needed service to the boaters of Murray County. We live in Murray County, too, and are proud to be good corporate citizens. We encourage you to use and enjoy this convenience and keep the Duck River beautiful. Hi, this is Dr. Tui from the Dr. Gill Center. Has your back been bothering you for years? Can't play golf? Pick up the grandkids? Garden or exercise? Tried everything and nothing works? Call the Dr. Gill Center. We have successfully helped tens of thousands of patients in Middle Tennessee, and you could be next. Call 615-880-9774 and ask about our $49 special. That's 615-880-9774. Because back pain doesn't need to be a way of life. Call me, painfree.com. Let's face it, the world is constantly changing and it is now more important than ever to take care of those who you trust with your business every day. Large and even international competition has made it increasingly difficult to keep your best talent. With Caledonian Financial's local business plan to help, you can give your employees a business package that is competitive and effective for everyone. I'm Thomas Sneed with Caledonian Financial here in downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Hey, this is Jonathan Castile, a.k.a. John Boy, with John Boy's Handyman Service. One call and we'll handle it all. Truly means we'll handle it all. From pressure washing your house to doing remodeling, we're licensed, insured, and bonded. So rest assured, John Boy will handle it all. You can contact me at 931-242-7620 or my email, castilejonathan10 at gmail.com. Tis the season for all of my favorite treats. Now, where are Grandma's homemade holiday cookies? Hold up. Where are Grandma's cookies? Easy, Joe. Grandma brought something even sweeter this season. <gasps> Your triple fudge brownies? No, Joey. Holiday instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Made from scratch holiday wins? Grandma, you're a genius. Give the gift of holiday instant games topped with sweet cash prizes. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, what game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Oh, oh, uh, open that one. It's for me. Holiday instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Best gift ever! Wait, these tickets are already scratched. Yeah, it was me. I was just so excited. But look, we won! Tis the season for epic cash prizes. This year, give the most winning gift of all. Holiday instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, what game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Merry Christmas from WKOM 101.7 FM. Ho, ho, ho.
Hey, welcome back to America's Steel here with Matthew and Lewis and Del Kennedy. And uh, Matthew, we were talking uh, before the break about some of the resources that you would need to keep this thing going. And then you were mentioning something about our, the family program, that families uh, in crisis, or if you know a family in crisis, that you can reach out to Delta Recovery right. and, and get some help. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, I'm really proud of our family program. Uh, and it's kind of born out, going back to what we were talking about, um, earlier, the, the genetic predisposition of addiction. So mm-hmm. let me kind of knock your socks off here. What would you say the greater likelihood a child of an addict has of developing an addiction than someone who's not the child of an addict? addict? What percentage more likely is the child of an addict to be addicted? Oh, well, without being, without saying 100, I see 99% a better chance of a child of an addict being yeah. an addict. The same thing as a child of a uh, domestic violence, witness domestic yeah. violence every day yeah. grows up to yeah. be a, yeah. It is eight times more likely, 800% more 800%. likely. 800%. 800% more likely that the child of an, uh, an addict will develop their own addiction than a child that's not uh, parented by an addict. So, 800, 800%, eight times more likely. <clears throat> so, and that's a combination of a few things. One, they've got that genetic predisposition. They've had the trauma of living with an addict. And then also that parent hasn't been able to equip them emotionally to deal with their, with their own thoughts, feelings, and emotions, right? And so th- that's kind of the toxic cocktail that we talked about earlier um, that, that's that's, that's, that these kids are up against. And so that's why they're so much more likely to develop their own addiction. So what, what we're, what our family program does is a couple of things. The spouse of the addict gets their own therapist to process how they've dealt with this addiction. Just as importantly, the kids go into a program that also helps them process the trauma that they've been through, but also we put them in a really fun, engaging program that's age appropriate with kids their own age that teaches them the emotional and social intelligence to recognize their emotions, to understand them, to put a label on them. Uh, you know how hard it is to say exactly how you're feeling, right? And there's 80 something words to describe different feelings in the English language. Then how do you regulate yourself when you're feeling those things? And so take all of that to help treat that trauma that they have. We can't do anything about the genetics, but to to help them process that trauma and then to give them the tools to work through their own emotions without relying on a substance or a compulsive behavior in order to deal with those things. And those kids can stay in that program for as long as they need to stay in that program. There's no fee for it. You know, you come in, we're going to help those kids. So I'm really, really proud of our and a lady named Carla Walker, who's the chair of our prevention coalition in Murray County and also has been involved in children and youth services for forever, really. Uh, She's going to be leading that up uh, for us as well. So I am really, really proud of that family program. And it's helping, you know, addiction is a family disease and you can't just treat the addict and expect everybody else to get better. Everybody needs help. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, so it sounds like it sounds to me like if you save one family, you save a gener- generation. Exactly. After generation. I mean, you can change you can change generation after generation after generation. Yeah. Uh, so you that. have those. You have, but you have people out there that uh, drink. Let's say Matthew, that you know they don't have to have it, but they drink socially. I guess is that what it's called? Yeah. Drink? Yeah. Sure. So, so drink it. But uh, it sounds to me like if you have a family, and I and I'm assuming too that uh, of course. Uh, 
alcohol or, or any kind of uh, abuse uh, associated with domestic violence as well? It's a, it's a much higher incidence. I can't tell you the exact uh, uh, amount right off the top of my head, but I have seen it. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think just anecdotally, if you talk to any of our law enforcement officers, and I know you probably dealt with this in your law enforcement mm-hmm. career, the number of times you were called to a domestic abuse uh, situation, alcohol was involved, you know, way more often than it wasn't. So I, yeah. would, I would guess that's the case. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so... Like statistically speaking, uh, or uh, uh, women are abused more than men in, in a domestic violence situation. Typically, yeah. Typically, right? So, what do you say? You know, a woman comes in your into Delta Recovery, and there she's like, "Hey, I, I don't even know where I don't even know where to begin." Mm-hmm. Uh, he drinks, he hits me. Mm-hmm. Where does that? Where does she go from? Well, I'm not going to say anything because I'm just the executive director of the place. I'm going to put them with a really qualified therapist, social worker. Who can who can just take that that case that that person that human being that needs help and help them and however they need to be helped? Uh, there's so many. I mean, first of all, you just want to make sure they're safe. That's the right. paramount thing. Uh, but then past that, how they're how they're going to treat that? That's so individualized, and and it's really left to somebody who is eminently qualified to do that. And I am not one of those right. people to be sure. So. And we have domestic violence shelters here in town or in Murray County. Yeah, yeah there's several several domestic violence. So I mean, you are, will you be partnering with yeah, them as we, well? We, we, yeah, it's one the one thing that's been really rewarding over the last several months is just seeing all the resources that are available and getting connected to those. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, we, you know, we we will have case managers uh, on staff. That that basically that's what their job is to to understand every resource that's available. Uh, and so, do you need uh, do you need qualified therapists uh, at the moment? Uh, yes, we are actively recruiting qualified therapists. We are actively recruiting case managers. So uh, so yeah, those are two separate roles. But yeah, we are we are actively recruiting both. So. Okay, so can kind of give me a rundown a real quick of what you would look for in a case manager. Case manager is somebody that's been involved in social work for a long time that has probably done case management before. I'm, I'm not really looking to train them. I'm looking for experienced people that can come in and just kind of hit the ground running. Um, but, they're, they're, I mean, that, that's a... Um, you know, I was I was at a at a church event, a church that was hosting me to kind of tell our story, and uh, and and a lady that was listening, she said, you know, case management is really a lost art, and so we're kind of looking for those people that really okay. understand that, um, and um, so so yeah, we're looking for experience in that. So that case year. managers that have uh, can hit the ground running, that have a heart for people. Yeah, yeah, and their job is basically to just uh, you know take care of that person in front of them and realize, and, and they know off the top of their head what domestic violence, if that's an issue, what resources are there. It might be, you know, in a different circumstance, job training or how to get transportation or housing or the many myriad of needs that need to get addressed when you're at rock bottom, quite frankly. Yeah. And, um, Delta Recovery will they don't charge unless they can uh, charge the insurance or tell me how that works. Yeah, well, we do have private pay rates that okay. are, and, and we're working on all the the particulars of that. But there's going to be a sliding scale based on your ability to pay, and then there's also you know insurance and you know state programs, and that's one of the case managers' jobs is to kind of figure out how we can get them into treatment and still keep our lights on too. You know. Right. Yeah. You got to keep the lights on yeah. and, and keep the services uh, flowing. Right. It sounds to me like you found a good building though in a good part of town. I did. Yeah. 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 We're really excited. It's going to be on Hatcher lane. Um, you know, kind of off color joke here a little bit that won't get you thrown off the radio, but um, it, it was, it's, it, for, if you're familiar, you've been around here a while. It's the old endoscopy center. It's where, you know, Dr. Choksi and his group, you know, did a lot of colonoscopies in that building. So what I like to say is it's still going to be full of buttholes. 
<laughs> with the addicts. Well, let's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's pause for a minute so that our listeners can take that one in. I don't, Lewis, we can't hear any laughter, can we? Uh, you no, you said was, you'd have laugh tracks. That, that was good, though. That, that was good. That, that was good. FCC will be will be okay with yeah. that. They'll be fine with that. All right, good, uh, good, uh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, actually, I think we've said worse on American Steel before. I bet you have. Well, I mean, well, I, your I don't, I don't pride myself. You. No, Certainly not me. Not my guess. Yeah, Sometimes absolutely. i got to calm my guess. Matthew, real quick, the the vaping epidemic. Oh, my goodness. What is going on with vaping? Why can't we curtail vaping? Because there's no penalties for selling vaping uh, vaping products to kids. It's okay, $50. Bingo, bingo. And I didn't, we, I didn't even set you up for that. No. You already knew that. Yes. $50 fine to sell yeah. a vape to it's an underage kid. It's the cost of doing business. It's just the cost of doing business. What is going on with our with our legislature? That I, I, I'm, I'm put teeth. I, we've got this. several great legislators in this area, and I direct that question to them. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm going to. I'm going. I've actually want. I want to uh, direct. I that bet question. that is the bane of your existence over there. I, bet, I mean, what part? What percentage of your day are you spent chasing around vapes? Well, you know, I think in all, um, not often, really. To be honest with really? you, really, yeah, not not often. I mean, uh, but. I mean, that's we don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah. We don't know. I mean, some of these vapes are so small, and you can take a hit off of them, and the smoke will disappear before you even get a chance that's to to look at it. Yeah. Uh, so you can go in the bathroom, boom, hit a vape. Instead of going in the bathroom and smoking a cigarette like 25 years ago, or smoking mm-hmm. a joint like 25 years ago, you go in there and you hit this vape one time, and by the time someone says, "Hey, I think someone's in there vaping," and you go in there to try to investigate, yeah. I mean, there's no no, yeah. no evidence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we are we do our due diligence uh, to make sure that we are doing all the kind of programs to show um, kids how dangerous vaping is and those yeah. kind of things. But but if I'm a business owner, like you said, Matt, if I'm a business owner and you're only going to find me fifty bucks, they some of these places don't care about these kids' health. Mm-hmm. They don't. And they don't. those kids are more prone, obviously, if they're especially if they're THC vapes to grow yes. up. Yeah, yes. so we were talking about on the on the break. We were talking about the progression of pain meds and what the progression for like being addicted to pain medication mm-hmm. is. Can you can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it, it's you know I talked about that hockey stick effect of opioid deaths, and and I think pain meds have a lot to do with that. Now, now I am not. Let me be clear about this. I am not anti pain med. Okay, those, those yeah, me neither. Those things exist for a reason. And uh, people need them, and the people that need them need to get them. So I, I don't want to be confused with anybody who's like, you know, throw all the pain meds off the market or anything like that. But generally what happens, and it can happen in perfectly healthy people, they have, you know, a shoulder surgery or something that they, you know, got hurt at work or whatever. And, and they kind of have that, those predispositions, the, the, the genetic effect, the trauma, um, they take a pain medi- medicine and then they kind of feel like, feel like even if they've never touched a drug or alcohol in their life, um, you know, they feel different and they like the feeling. And so it goes from, you know, one to two to two to three and on, on up. And then, and then they start getting refills that they may or may not really need. And then maybe start doctor shopping, trying to get a couple of prescriptions at a time. And then, then they, you know, eventually that kind of runs out because there are there are some safeguards in place. Fortunately, that that it's now. hard to now there are yeah. that it's hard to get them. So, but they're out on the street. So you figure out how to get them out on a street. Well, or out on the street. Well, those those things depend on what they are. They might cost forty, sixty, eighty bucks a pill. Well, by now you're hooked. If you're out on the street looking for pain medication, right. pain medication, you are an addict. Okay. 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Oh, but that's like it's expensive, Matt, right? Say, say that again. If you are out on the street looking for pain pills, you are an addict. Okay. Yep. I mean, you're you're doing something illegal. You're you're facing some serious consequences. You need help. You need help. Okay. Okay. What usually happens is those pills are so expensive that what people start to do is do the math. Mm-hmm. I can pay forty bucks for a pill or twenty dollars for a little bit of heroin. Well, you need that feeling. Right. And that becomes an easy choice. Yeah. Now, here's the next thing. People get the heroin. I swear, they say to themselves, I swear I'll never shoot it. And then that stops working. And then they're shooting heroin. And then all the problems that go along with that. And by then, its teeth are so deep in you that it is really, really hard. It's impossible to do on your own to break out. And it's... and. and Six months ago, you were just recovering from a shoulder surgery. Right. You well, know. Did you see the Netflix special about the opioid? I've seen a few. Which one? Uh, House uh, of Pain. I don't. I don't remember yeah. the one they were doing the investigation and then and the investigator. Mm-hmm. They were. Yeah. There's a, there's been a few out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, was, but they were pretty compelling. My wife and I sat and watched them. Very compelling. Yeah, they are. And the number of uh, the reps that could go out, and the more they, the volume that they sold and prescribed, the yeah. bonuses they get. And, and the, yeah, that's crazy. The, the the worst part of that story is that um, the FDA they they somehow got the FDA to label that it's not addictive. And then right. Purdue Pharma ended up hiring that's, that's the guy the from I, the FDA right. to to come work for him. And you just talk about, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how they got that label on there. It's baffling. And then to uh, he he ends up moving over to uh, I forgot that guy's name, but moving over to work for Purdue. Just, well, I mean, so I would tell listeners, parents, and people that are home with their prescription meds. I mean, to you know, especially if you got young people in the house that you really can't, you really can't trust, and you shouldn't because young people make decisions that they shouldn't make all the time. Mm-hmm. So, do, so do adults, but certainly yeah. young people are. I mean, you lock your meds up, lock your meds up, put them away, and not. I mean, hide them, lock them, to keep them under saving. Do not let your child touch that bottle of pills. Right. Period. Like, and if, well, if like, they are if they are hurt, if they are in pain and they need it, watch your watch. You know, know know what time you gave them the last one. Give them exactly what the dosage is, and then uh, if they don't need it, don't give it to them. I mean, it's like hiding. It's like locking your gun up. Right? It exactly is. Yeah, exactly yeah. is. It's just. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the the brain, of course, doesn't stop developing to now. They're they're saying around twenty five. That's what twenty five yeah, years exactly old. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you're really you're really uh, playing Russian roulette. Yes. With your meds at home, if you're not locking them up. Yes. Um, and I, over the years, whether I've been in a therapist or whether I've been a, a, a educator, or even when I was a cop, I mean, it's always, uh, it's always the parents who never thought in a million years, their ch- child would do this. Yeah. And all of a sudden the tragedy hits. It is. And we've kind of got to break that stigma of if you are a kid caught in addiction, you're a bad kid. You are not a bad kid. You're a hurting kid. Hurting you kid. need help. Yeah, you know, and uh, but but we we tend to, and and uh, and this is not the case with you. I know for a fact, 
But sometimes educators or people in authority or ministers or whatever, they just look and well, you're, you just did some bad stuff. You're a bad human being. And that's yeah. not the case. Oh, yeah. They are hurting. No, I told somebody to even today that, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people. I may seem like a, a really hard ass person, but and I can be. But I mean, I believe everybody has a window. Your window of opportunity never closes. Exactly. In my book, it, yeah. the window might be very small at this point because of your actions. Yep. But there's still a, there's still a window of opportunity for you to to recover, to reinvent yourself. Yeah. You know, unless you're, unless you're out there hurting children, I, I close your window. Uh, yeah. Cause I'll close it. Uh, yeah. Permanently. But it, it, other things you make, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does things that they wish they could go back and, and do over. Uh, but that window of opportunity is there. And, and again, I'm like you, I'm not anti pain meds. Instead of saying that I'm more pro what the doctor says, they've got, they got great training here in the Mm -hmm. United States and they go to the best schools. They've got great training. Uh, you know, like every profession, there's always a handful that, you know, you got to question their judgment, Yeah. but, uh, the 99% of them are fantastic. And I've had, I've had like you, the opportunity to meet several here in town and they're fantastic. They're going to do always do the right thing because it's the right thing. Uh, I just think that, um, I think addiction, I, I don't know this statement, Addiction is one of those things where people don't want to don't want to admit they have a problem uh, or they're not willing to give it up. Yeah, it's a discipline. Well, it's part of the disease that's always in the back of your your mind that says that makes you believe you can control this. Right. And you really can't. And it's the the lie that you tell yourself that, I you know, I can stop any time or I can handle this. And uh, and 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 all evidence points to the contrary. But you're so wrapped up in yourself that you can't you can't see it until it's really too late. From a therapist standpoint, uh, are you looking for at least master's level therapists? No, that- not necessarily. There's a, uh, Tennessee has a great program. Most states do, but Tennessee, I really like. Uh, it's called a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. Um, that's somebody that's in recovery, has been in recovery for a period of years, and has done I think five thousand hours of work with with clients before they get that certification. So we are looking for master's level therapists for, for some parts of our program. We're also uh, looking for, for what's called LADAX um, as well. So licensed clinical social workers, marriage and family therapists, the like, but LADAX are really, really important. So someone like me that has a master's degree in counseling and psychology, Mm -hmm. but I don't have 5,000 hours. Well, that's for the LADAC program. So that, that's, that's, that, that is so, that's a program you have to be in recovery to be one of those. Okay. And that is so that the person, the addict sitting across from you, you, you really have you, a connection about, yeah. I've been there, been there, you done, know, that. Been there done that. Right. Uh, and so this is a pathway for people in recovery to get a certification in order to be a counselor. So we need both. That's fantastic. You know, but but the, the late act thing is the 5,000 hours. I believe, I, I believe it's 5,000 hours total. So. If I'm not mistaken, 5,000, it's, it's 1,500 hours per year. So that's, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's like, three and a half years. That's yeah, three it's, years. Yeah. It's a long time. You ha- yeah. To so, be working with people. And that's full time. So yeah. Yeah. And, and they're not, you know, they're, they're doing recovery work and there's a, it's a, it's a broad spectrum of what those hours, what counts. So like, like you, you would qualify. I don't have that many hours yet. Not yet. Not yet. No. And then, I but, but I mean, uh, so if you're an addict and you're going to Delta Recovery for help, the person that's helping you is really qualified. Yes, and they've probably been and there. they've been there and done they've that. Been there and they've recovered. So they can listen to you and they can help you and go through there. Hey, uh, Matthew, is uh, addiction? There are some correlations to culture and addiction, mm-hmm. and there's definitely some correlation between socioeconomic status and addiction, right? Um, mm, I don't know about that. No, 
Like, I mean, like if you have the resources, if you have the money to, to, to buy, get treatment? to purchase, well, no, or, to purchase different types yeah, of drugs compared yeah. to, you don't, sometimes some of these folks on the street don't know what they're putting in their arm. Exactly. Compared to people that can actually go and make sure, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But culturally, and I know we're going to take a minute, we got one minute left to take a break and then we'll come back, uh, our final segment, but culturally addiction, there are some correlations. Well, elaborate on that for me. Well, like uh, I want in certain parts of the community, mm-hmm. uh, is it more prevalent for this drug more prevalent than that drug, or is alcoholism more prevalent in low pe- people that live in closer to poverty line? I, I would say, and I don't have any normative data to back this up. I would say alcohol kind of crosses all lines. Okay. It might be different types of alcohol. And is alcohol the most yeah. used? Yeah, yeah. Abuse for sure. drug? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's and opioids and amphetamines and, are, okay. are catching up. So, so we're going to take a break here on America's Steel. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Thank you, Matthew. Are you looking to turn your car into cold, hard cash today? Don't look any further than Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. You probably know us for selling cars, but did you know we're in the business of buying cars? That's right, we buy all makes and models at top dollar every day. Show up with your car and leave with cash. It's that easy. Stop by today to get a written offer on your vehicle. Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia is family owned and proud to serve our community. You can count on us. Hi, it's Terry from Tillis Jewelry, your festive gift destination this Christmas. Unwrap the magic with our natural diamond earrings starting at an incredible $99. Yes, you heard it right, $99. Picture the joy of discovering these stunning gems in your stocking, but there's more. Explore our brand new diamond pendants and dazzling stack rings at fantastic prices. Make this season unforgettable with Tillis Jewelry. Come see us on the Columbia Square, where the gift is wrapped with elegance. Tillis Jewelry, making your Christmas sparkle brighter. Happy Holidays. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hi, this is Sarah Latch with Harmony Homeschool Choir. We invite you to attend our annual Christmas concert on December 11th, 6 p.m. at the Cherry Theater at Columbia State. Come hear over a hundred children sing to make your holiday season merry and bright. Check us out on Facebook at Harmony Homeschool Choir. Come hear us sing at this free event. Merry Christmas! 
Debbie Matthews Realtor and her husband Jason, who is a pro songwriter, also own a music publishing company. They live in historic downtown Columbia with their dogs. Dog rescue work is their passion project. They consider Middle Tennessee their backyard and their lives are full of all things Tennessee. Debbie says there is no greater honor than to help someone find a home. To be trusted with that job, there is no greater privilege. Call Debbie at the Nashville Realty Group, 615-476-3224, This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Welcome back to American Steel. We're here with Matthew White, the Executive Director of Delta Recovery, 931-548-6901. 931-548-6901. Delta Recovery is um, in the middle of renovating an office building uh, over there downtown by the hospital. Close yeah, it's to, pretty close to the hospital. Close to the hospital, A couple blocks yeah. away, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, 931-548-6901. Reach out. Uh, reach out if you can help uh, Matthew and Delta Recovery. This is going to be fantastic for our community. Uh, reach out if you need help, but reach out if you can help. And I think uh, I think the community will be grateful for for either one for you. Uh, it's, it's fair to say, Matthew, your your part of your vision or mission statement is just you just you want to help people. Oh yeah, I mean it's That's just it. it's just love, right? That's it. Yeah, that it's, is it's it. rooted in love and your experience mm-hmm. and how you are sitting here today. Yes. Yes. And that's, uh, I mean, the, the, you know, we're talking about how people can help. The best thing you can do to help us is call us first. Call us when you or a loved one is struggling. You've got that number, 931-548-6901. Call us uh, because that's, that's our lifeblood is helping people. And uh, we need to have the people to help. So uh, give us a call. We'll get the right resources pointed to you. But, yeah, it really is. You know, we're a nonprofit. Uh, you, you hate to, to call it this, but treatment is an, an industry now. And uh, there's a lot of for-profit players, and a lot of those people do phenomenal work. Uh, but uh, but we, we want to kind of take a more all-encompassing approach than, than what a for-profit model allows so that we can help not just the addict, like we talked about earlier, but their spouse and their children as well, their extended family as well. Well, you're here. You're part of the community. Yeah. I mean, you don't. This is tra- home. Yeah, this is home. You don't travel in to make a buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you've got to pay your bills, and then you got to pay Delta Recovery's bills. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's an <clears throat> understatement that we need these services in this community. Yes. Yeah. We are. We are. Uh, kind of to your question earlier about kind of how culturally, you know, addiction is changing. Um, you know, the. the We've we've dealt with addiction forever, you know. Like Noah got off the boat fermented grapes, and we've been dealing with it ever since, you know. Um, and so the the drug of choice changes, and our the societal trends change, but that that problem always stays. Uh, and so we we just want to make a dent in it here in Columbia. Yeah, I mean, we and were talking off air. Was that and surrounding areas too? Yeah, and surrounding areas. But hey, one family yeah. at a time, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. One addict and one, one family day at, at a time, time. One family at a time. That's right. right. And then you know, uh, the next next thing you know, there'll, there'll be another Matthew White who is clean and, and has been sober for 
uh, four year, four and a half years, four yeah. and a half years. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it really feels good about never relapsing. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, I don't feel, I feel, I feel great about not doing it today. You right. know, tomorrow we're going to wake up and give it another shot. So that's, that's yeah. the best we can do. Is that part of the, uh, training, uh, or if that's the right word training or the, the program, recovery, the program, the recovery program, one day, at a like time. one day at a time, one day at a time, they'll give you a chip every milestone. And it says one day at a time on it. The chip might be for 50 years, but you did it one day at a time. Yeah. Have you, have you, have you, uh, experienced somebody who's been, uh, sober for 10 years and relapsed? Yeah. Uh, one of my very first meetings I went to, uh, AA meetings I went to after treatment, uh, met a guy who was just coming back. He had been sober for 25 years and, uh, went out the weekend before. Yeah. So Lewis, uh, I, I know you're in college right now. And so not, uh, don't name any names, of course. Uh, no, just joking, but I'm assuming that I'm assuming that it's available if you wanted it. Uh, Alcohol. Yeah. Oh, drug. yeah. Anything. Anything. Every, anything and everything you can put your you're, mind you're to. You're in college. What, what are the drugs you see, not not necessarily you personally, but hear about just around campus most? You most know, often. I mean, you know, extreme cases you hear about cocaine and you know but it's it's mainly alcohol and marijuana and mm-hmm. you know you know a lot of nicotine yeah. you know you wouldn't classify that as something it's a terrible major yeah. but it you know i'd classify it as a drug yeah, yeah. It, well it is yeah yeah you just don't you just don't talk about nicotine addiction like you do yeah alcohol alcoholism yeah. or something like that but it, i mean it is a drug and yeah well caffeine's a drug caffeine's a drug so. Hold up! You're looking at my energy drink right now. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not addicted to these. In- I don't think I no, am. No, but, but I mean, I, if we're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna be literal about it, it yeah. is. You know, but but that's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not. It doesn't have the consequences that other drugs do. Yeah. If I stopped okay. drinking that, I wouldn't go steal to get another energy drink. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most likely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But okay. So. Um, What's your next step, Matthew? I mean, uh, you're going to get the building done. You're going to yeah, get a building done, get Tennessee's a license, open open it up. With you. Yeah, yeah, they've been great. They really yeah. have. Uh, yeah, we're going to get a building done, get a license, open up, and uh, uh, we've we've been able to build some good partnerships uh, with the the judicial system uh, to uh, you know help us you know help help intervene early on and hopefully keep people kind of in misdemeanor situations there before they graduate into felony situations. Yeah. Uh, get them help early on, uh, and even after it progresses, you know, uh, we're, we're going to kind of. You know, so if uh, if someone is court ordered into, uh, would it be court ordered into rehab or just treatment? Well, a lot of times it's more like their choice. You can go into a diversion program, okay, and uh, either and that or face the charges, program. right? Yeah, yeah, that type of thing, and then they'll suspend. So it. you've had some success talking to the judicial system around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got I, we are really blessed with some great judges and great attorneys, and they've put together great courts. And I'm thinking of immediately of uh, Judge Bailey and Judge Sockwell who were doing a recovery court. Um, that is fantastic. I went and visited them a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, and they have a wonderful staff. Uh, Miss Tammy is amazing. Uh, and then uh, Judge Chapman has a mental health court. Um, he also has a safe baby court, which is kind of a diversion program for um, uh, if, when parents are at risk of losing their kids. They can go into this diversion program that often calls for them to enter into recovery as well. Uh, I cannot say enough about Nick Abdallah and Emily Selby that work on that court. It is absolutely amazing. They just had their first graduation a few weeks ago. And it's, you, you talk about, I get chills thinking about it. They're keeping families together. They're helping those families heal together. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And they are two amazing public servants. And uh, so, so we've got, we've got a, a court system that's really attuned to, 
helping people get out of the mess that they're in rather than just burying them under the jail. And I think that's one of the best things about this community. We just had a one, uh, it's called a one person play that we put on for our, all of our students. Uh, it was four different plays in one day. She, she is one person and it's called the yellow dress. Are you familiar with that? I haven't heard of it. No, the yellow dress is a one person play that is talks about dating violence and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and I got to sit in one or the majority of one. I don't know if she went over like drugs or, but mostly it's like, Hey, dating violence and what, uh, what an abuser would say to you in yeah. a relationship. I loved it. And I think, and the kids got so much out of it. What could we do? It's it's harder to convince kids not to drink a beer, yeah, than it is to not let someone beat on them, right? So, any anything that you would like to see that we could do more in the, in, in yeah. just education altogether? Yeah, I, I I would like to change that message to don't you know from not drink a beer to understanding what's happening if in you if, if you, you really like it, right? If you really feel like you need it, if you crave it, those types of things. Let's understand what's happening within you and then help you with that. Um, and I am fascinated. I have not heard of that. I, I hope that's videoed somewhere that I can see. Cause, cause something like that, it sounds to me, what you're saying is it really reached kids in a way that like a lecture is not going we to. We had kids that wanted to leave out with an adult and get counseling on the spot. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that's, uh, and I've, I've, I've witnessed a, a one person play twice and both were fantastic. And, uh, shout out to the young lady. I never even got a chance to meet her, but shout out to her. Uh, and the, it's called the yellow dress. It was really, really phenomenal. Uh, I can only imagine we, we could have a whole nother podcast on dating violence when you, especially teenage dating yeah. violence and how, um, and I wish I, you know, I do as a principal, I wish we had more time to really get into the, some of these areas. Uh, but you know, we got to be in these academic classes and, yeah. and do all these things, but well, and just as a personal note, like I, I really commend you and your staff for doing doing stuff like that. And I think I'm coming out February you are. to to talk to your kids and I, I hope it's as compelling as what it sounds like this was. But um but I want to commend you and your staff for doing that. I mean, and I know you've reached out to me about, you know, getting help with with some students that are struggling with stuff that I, you know, like that that's rare. And that's what makes you a jewel in this community. Uh, that you're 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 taking those kids and loving them yeah. and giving them resources that I they do might love them. Have. Um, you know, um it, it comes back to what we were talking about before. I mean, a lot of parents they're they're, lo- they're loving and kind and amazing, but they just don't. They're uncomfortable. They don't have the tools. They don't have the tools. They don't the have courage. the tools. They, there's yeah. so many things they don't have that they wish they had, and they just find themselves with a teenager. And they don't know where to ask. Welcome to the jungle.